I'm Alex Travis. And I'm Maureen Friedley. And this is the High Horde Poss. High Son of a bitch. <laughs> Take two. All right. <laughs> I'm Alex Travis. And I'm Maureen Friedley. And this is the High Horde Poss. High Horse Podcast. And we're leaving egos on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So. At some point, maybe I'll stop stuttering. You know, probably not. Um, and I'm Alex Travis. I'm 28. I live in Northern Arizona. And <clears throat> right now I have four horses and two donkeys. Uh, I've got all Mustangs. So before anybody asks what breed, they're Mustangs. So they don't have a particular breed. Um, I've got one Mustang out of Devil's Garden. And the other three are from Arizona. What Roni is from Southern Arizona and my other two, my Phillies are from Northern Arizona. Um, my horses range in age from, my oh gosh, what, it, how old is Sally? I think he's eight, eight and a half, uh, down to seven months old. So I've kind of got a range of, of ages, experience. Um, Sully, your oldest? That's pretty much what I do. My oldest? Is Sully your oldest then? Yeah, Sully is Sully is my oldest and Roni would be my second oldest at I believe he's seven and a half now um and then Cricket who's three and a half four and then Sage who is just seven months she's just a wee baby and the donkeys we don't know how old Thelma is I would I guess that she's probably 10 11 honestly she could be a little older her teeth have grown in very funny so it's impossible to age her based off her teeth teeth and um but donkadonk, we're not really sure. We think she could be anywhere from two to four years old. Um, so pretty much what I do is, you know, I don't take any public client horses anymore. I stopped doing that a long time ago for many of the reasons that we started this podcast. Um, but I primarily focus on social media platforms. So I talk about horsemanship, horse hus- husbandry. Um, and I kind of maltreatment I see floating around on the internet. Um, what about you, Maureen? Uh, well, I live in Huntsville, Texas, which is pretty much smack dab between Dallas and Houston. Um, and I am a traveling equine photographer. So wherever work wants to take me is where I go. Um, horse wise, I have six horses right now. Uh, we have three full size horses and three ponies. Um, it all started with my daughter's pony donut who dropped a surprise baby, which is Timbit. Um, and then came chap and chap is kind of a Mustang. He's not a BLM Mustang, so he's not branded, but he's essentially a Mustang. Um, and then we had, uh, Mando come after my daughter needed to move up to, from her pony to an actual horse. And, um, And then we have Hamilton, who I rescued from a auction. Uh, He almost went to a kill buyer and he's a little hackney pony. And then Scarlett came along um, just by chance. (laughs) So somebody was trying to get rid of her, wasn't interested in keeping her anymore. Um, So we picked her up and gave her a home. And, uh, And yeah, so I'm really excited about doing this podcast with you. Um, I know we had a lot of people on TikTok who wanted to... uh, have a start one when we were doing the dual lives and everything. So, 
Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see where it goes and how it develops. But I remember, I think I started following you first. Did you? I don't see. I don't even remember now. It's been a while. I want to say that I came across your TikTok first because you had been on TikTok before I had gotten on TikTok. So I think I came across, I don't even, which TikTok was it? Do you remember? I was trying to think of this last night when I was thinking about how, what we were going to talk about today. And it had to have been something involving training or something like that. Oh no, it was right when you, you were, everyone was asking you about bits specifically the Tom. Oh, Thumb. my bit series, my bit education series. Yeah. Oh, the Tom Thumb. Cause I am not really super knowledgeable on bits. And so I want to follow you and try to get a better understanding of it and everything like that. And then oh. at some point you, you followed me back. I don't know when or, or how that came about. I don't know if you remember, but. Um, so I, you know, I, I like to, when I see people interacting with my page consistently, I'm, I'm just a nosy Nancy. I'll go to their page and I'll look through their videos. Cause I, I like to see uh, what kind of demographics I have in my following and in my community. Cause the community that I'm growing is very, very important to me. It's the most important thing to me on my social platforms is um, cultivating and creating a place of community that I feel is positive and productive. So when I see people really consistently on my page, whether it's negative or positive, I'm going to go creep. So for anybody that listens, uh, if you're, if you're commenting frequently, I'm going to go and creep. All right. So I went and I creeped your page and I saw, um, you know, that you were a photographer and that you had horses as well. And that you were a veteran. I think at that point you had posted something about, um, having been in the Navy and I was like, oh, instant follow. So, Yeah. And I didn't know that about uh, donuts. I didn't know that that's how Timbit and Donuts relationship worked. Yeah. So we got donut from a sale lot in Dallas. I found it on Craigslist. It was right close to Christmas. And we had just moved to Texas and we finally had land to have a pony. And I told my husband, I was like, I really want to get Arlette a pony. Arlette is my, um, my seven-year-old daughter. She's my oldest. Um, yeah. And so I told him, I really want to get her a pony. I found this, this place. And originally I was looking at this little black gelding and, um, I contacted the person who had him and said this, I want this pony. And they said that we already sold him, but here are some other ones that we have. And Donut was in that group. And, um, and so I picked her out and in the picture, she didn't look pregnant. <laughs> and, uh, I made connections with a lady who lived in right. Well, and ponies are always kind of round. Yeah, exactly. So when she showed up, I made connections with this lady in Dallas and and we worked out um, a little bit of a haggle. I gave her some, like we had some leftover pork from some pigs we had slaughtered. So it worked out like a little deal for her to to bring donut down for us in time. That's the best kind of trade. How cool. (laughs) I try to do that all the time. Um, But so she brought her down and as she's loading her off her trailer, she's like, I think this pony might be pregnant. Were you told that this pony was pregnant? And I was like, No. And I, it was forever, like for several months, we went back and forth. We're like, is she just a fat pony or is she pregnant? We couldn't figure it out. I even had, um, we have a college here locally, uh, Sam Houston college. And the first time I had somebody come out to do her feet, one of their students, it was one of their students and he's going into the vet field and he's a farrier. And he was looking at her. He's like, 
yeah, I really don't know. I can't tell with her. She, she doesn't show any of like the major telltale signs of being pregnant. And we were in the middle of a barbecue with friends in April. And, um, I looked out at her and she was lying down in the corner of our pasture. And I was like, donut never lies. Oh my God. And so I walked out to see if she was okay. And she stood up. And when she turned around like a little circle, her udders were just massive. And as soon as she oh my God. lied down and immediately after having already had a kid and I was three weeks out from having my son, uh, she lied down. And I'm like, oh, oh no. that's a contraction. <laughs> a contraction. <laughs> and so like, I'm bringing, I'm running back to the house to, to get my husband. Barbecue's over folks. <laughs> we had a bunch of kids over there too and everything. So, but it was cool. Cause like I ran inside to go get my little equine first aid kit because I didn't know what we didn't know she was pregnant. So we weren't preparing her for having a baby. And so I was just like, I'm going to have this in case something goes wrong. And on my way out or into the house, my husband's coming out of the house, um, to go help her because he's pulled calves and everything like that growing up on a pig farm. Yeah. And, Battle in Colorado. Um, and by the time I came back out, Timbit was already on the ground and Oh my God. So it was great. So the, the kid was really cool. The kids got to see him like take his first steps and everything like that. So if you bit on my, my TikTok and I talk about what a pain in the butt he is, we're kind of at fault for that because <laughs> he literally had hands on him from the moment he was born. So he's just like a puppy, right. which I, to my chagrin sometimes I'm like, why did we handle this freaking pony so much? But, but yeah. yeah so that how close, so you, are you close to Fort Sam Houston? Uh, I don't, I don't know if we have a Fort Sam Houston. I've never heard of it. We're, I mean, Huntsville is Sam. Well, Houston. I guess it's, it's, uh, near San Antonio. So I went to tech school. So Maureen and I are both veterans. Uh, and I went to tech school, um, on Sam Houston in San Antonio. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, no, we, we are, I want to say like three hours East. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. But, um, but Huntsville is the, is the hometown of Sam Houston. So everything here is in relation to him. So we had the opposite experience, um, that you had with donut with Thelma. So I, you know, originally I got badonkadonk because I wanted a donkey to protect the property and keep coyotes away. And she does an excellent job. She will kill anything that even remotely resembles a dog, including uh, the goats, unfortunately. Um, and she and Cricket would just fight like cats and dogs all day long. They have a 10 acre turnout and she would go and find, and they would just find each other on the 10 acres just to fight. And I thought, this is counterintuitive. One of you is going to get very hurt. And it's just not, you know, it's, it's counterproductive behavior. It's really negative behavior that was very evidenced by the fact that they just were living in too small of a group. When you get equines, particularly, especially when you're mixing equines like um, donkeys and horses, um, and they have too small of a social group, it creates a lot of stress. It's easier for these animals to identify their pecking order when there are more members of the group. So when there was only three members of the group, they were just constantly fighting because nobody wanted to be number three and they definitely weren't going to be number one. Um, so I, you know, I racked my brain and racked my brain and I thought the only way to fix this is to get another donkey. 
And sure enough, it did fix it. They don't, Cricket and Badonkadonk hardly don't fight anymore. Um, she fights a little bit with Thelma just because that's kind of Donks' personality. She's just a little bit of a shit starter. Um, but when we got Thelma, I showed up and saw her and I thought, oh my God, this donkey is pregnant. And I asked the woman, I got her from uh, Lucky A Rescue in Southern Arizona. So if you're in Arizona and you're ever looking for a donkey, she has many, many that are looking for wonderful loving homes. So she goes, are you okay if she has a, a baby? Are you okay with that? And I said, oh yeah, and the, the more the merrier. Um, my power just went out again. We're having a big storm here where I live. So bear with me if you hear a bunch of noises. At any rate, uh, I thought, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Well, that was in March and it's now July and there's still no baby. So we've concluded that Thelma is just She's just round. <laughs> she's just chunky. She's not pregnant. I wish she had a little baby. That would have been the cutest thing, but nope. Um, <clears throat> so Maureen, you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, a lot of people on TikTok, we were going dual live. Uh, so for anybody that finds this, that doesn't come from TikTok, which would be probably hard to believe. Um, we were going to a live a lot and we kept getting comments saying how, you know, this would make a great, great podcast. And, um, that's, so that's how the podcast came about. I, and I agree this, this kind of needed to things within the equine industry, especially right now that need to be talked about and have a dialogue, have a discussion, um, to, encourage change or to at least encourage forward thinking because there's a lot of especially on social media really negative backwards things that I think as a as an industry and as a culture are really holding us back um and unfortunately you know Maureen you and I have talked about this our way of life is dwindling yes. you know there it used to be that you had to have horses right like you know, people had a homestead and they had horses because that was way, the way of, of existing. And now horses are becoming less and less accessible. And unfortunately, um, you know, if, if we don't make the equine community more accessible to more people, we're going to get to a point where those of us who do have horses don't have access to resources and education and, and things like that. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of the stuff we want to cover is we had talked about how we had issues with, um, with getting even just like vet care or whatever, or, or stuff like that. Like yeah. you had said, how, how far is your vet? Did you say? So my vet is actually three towns away. So he lives like 40 miles away in another town and two, three towns adjacent. Um, and he is the only vet in like, um, the only decent vet that travels to your house within at a minimum, I would say hundred to 150 mile radius. Yeah. We have another vet, but he's garbage. <laughs> Dr. Despain, if you ever hear this, I don't fucking like you. <laughs> so we should make that very clear. You're, you're garbage and I wouldn't let you operate on a bag of marbles. So <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're also not going to censor in our podcast either. So, yeah, I mean, even just access to veterinary care is really hard. 
Yeah, my vet is, um, I mean, we have one that's local here and he will see horses, um, but that is only because he knows that we don't have any local equine vets available. And he, and I mean, he's great that he's, um, you know, he has experience with horses and cattle and everything. So he'll do what he can, but he is the first one to be like, this is outside of my pay grade. I need you to go somewhere else. And the next closest equine vet is um, going to the uh, Texas A&M University and going to their campus and going to their, their vet clinic that they have on campus. And that's a good hour plus drive with a trailer, with a sick horse. Right. And a, you know. So it definitely is difficult. And then just to even just get tack for me, you know, I, I moved from Connecticut to Texas and Connecticut is very, um, horse, you know, uh, saturated, um, not in the way that I personally like yeah. more of a, you know, horses are a status, a, a wealth status kind of thing. Um, which is not my vibe. Mm. Uh, so mm. I was really excited about moving to Texas and being like, Sounds oh. like Stevenville. Yeah. I was like, I'm really excited to be in Texas and be around all the horses and the cowboys and cowgirls and the Western lifestyle and everything like that. And then I got to Huntsville and I have to drive like two hours to get to a tax store with any, with, with Western gear, you know? So definitely right. it, it's hard to continue, um, to be a horse owner in today's society. And then it doesn't, it definitely doesn't help that we've seen from, you know, TikTok that people are just not as inclusive as you, as they need to be in order to keep this a actual viable community. Sure. And, and, you know, we have a similar situation here. You know, if, it, if I, if my vet can't come to me, we actually would have to trailer our horses to Phoenix to the equine hospital, which is three and a half to four hours away. Um, and if you have a horse with a limb injury, you're not trailering that animal anywhere. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as for, you know, I think we get it from both sides, unfortunately. I think it's just as much um, and like people fighting amongst themselves from equestrian to equestrian as is horsemanship issues. You know, we can't stop arguing with one another long enough to benefit our animals and, and better our horsemanship. Uh, a lot of that is ego in my opinion. And that's, you know, kind of where we came up with the slogan, leaving egos on the ground, because at the end of the day, I would rather be wrong and fix the problem uh, and move forward, better my horsemanship, better my animal's quality of life than adamantly declare that my way of doing it is the best in spite of the obvious evidence to the to the latter so um and that and that isn't exclusive to training it isn't exclusive to husbandry um and it isn't exclusive to the way in which we talk to each other you know there is and isn't an appropriate way to deliver constructive criticism um and oftentimes you know, I'll ask someone typically, you know, if it's a mutual of mine or somebody that I feel had good intentions and they've posted a video that was just, you know, off in left field, I'll ask, hey, do you mind if I give you some feedback? And if they say no, I move on about my day. Um, but it's, it's the people I think that are just so stuck in the way they do things and that refuse 
to acknowledge any other way of doing things um, that could probably benefit, to stand to benefit the most. Um, because, man, like, wouldn't you just, wouldn't you just rather move forward? You know, I, that's the way I look at it. Um, and I did, I will be the first to admit that I was one of those people, you know, even a year ago, if you asked me if I use treats to train my horse, I would have, and I have videos on my page to this day saying very clearly in no uncertain terms, I do not treat train because I won't have treats in a shit situation where I need them, or I won't have treats on the trail, or I won't have treats when I'm doctoring cows. And that's true. I won't. However, that's not the point of treat training at all. Um, at one point, I was a supporter of the Clinton Anderson method. You know, there's nothing wrong with changing your point of view, yeah. changing the way you see things, changing the way you do things, and just admitting that you've grown. That's part of life. Growth is a part of life. Yeah. Um, but I really so when, this so when I, is help people take the opportunity to, you know, like we said, keeping egos on the ground to humble themselves. And that's not a, an easy task to do. I, you know, I'm a United States Marine. <laughs> I never want to, like, it's against my instinct to say I'm wrong or to change my opinion on something. But, and so I struggle to, to do it, but I feel like definitely owning horses has forced me to do that a lot. Um, and I was the same way as you, like I, Chap was trained using the Clinton Anderson method. And I used that on him all through the time that I've had him up until like the last month. And I changed my opinion on the tree training. I have the same view as you as, you know, it's not something I'm going to have on hand. I don't want them to be dependent on, you know, I have to have a treat in order to get a certain behavior out of them. Um, but then the big thing that made me, that made me flip the switch was specifically when in one of your TikTok videos, when you said, um, that the licking and chewing caused by eating the treat is releasing the endorphins. And like, as soon as you said that, just, I was like, that makes 110% more sense. Right. Anything that Clinton Anderson has said in any of his stuff. And so I immediately that day, like switched and it's been going great. You know, I've been doing the with chap, um, for, two and a half, three weeks now. And his attitude has changed toward me. Um, we still have work to do to get to the point where I'm going to be able to really ride him, but it's definitely changed our relationship a lot. Yeah. Well, when you start with a solid foundation, it's easier to grow from there. I find that when you go back, because essentially what it sounds like you're doing now with chap is restarting him. Yeah. Um, and I went through the same thing with Roni actually. So Roni was started with the Anderson method and it created a dangerous, resentful horse. And, um, I broke my collarbone and had a concussion and then I went, okay, uh, I'm missing something here. Um, and at that point I was also reconnecting with my own, um, indigenous roots and my indigenous culture. And, you know, I kind of realized I had the epiphany that everything I was doing was so against what I had been taught growing up and what is in our cultural beliefs. And it was evident by the behavior I was getting from my animal. Um, the bottom line for me is, and, and, and it's not exclusive to Clinton Anderson, you know, even Pirelli, uh, Buck Brannaman, you know, they all essentially use pressure and release. 
And pressure interviews can be effective, but not in the way people think that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, horses do not hardly ever, it's almost exclusive to domestic environments where their basic needs are not being met, use physical reprimand as a form of pressure. Um, so I, t- I talked about this literally yesterday in a post. If you're going to use pressure and release, you must understand that your physical presence, your physical energy, that is the pressure. If you need to escalate to the point where you're hitting your animal, especially with an object, that's no longer pressure to that horse. It's abuse, it's predatory behavior. Mm -hmm. Now you're acting like a predator. A horse has millions of years of biological evolution designed to keep him safe. And one of those mechanisms is recognizing a predator with a weapon because they have co-evolved with us and they were hunted by us millions of years ago. Right. You know, 12 million, 12 million years ago. So when you're walking around with a stick hitting them, that puts your horse in a very fight or flight state of mind where they're thinking, this might be the day. This might be the day this guy cuts me up and makes me into steak. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, if, if your horse goes to, to strike out at you or bite you, you know, that is, that is a situation where I will, if I have my stick, I'll pop you with the stick. Yeah. One good time, wherever it's it's pertinent, um, because you're using physical violence with me. But it's important when you're trying to establish a cohesive, positive relationship with a prey animal that you eliminate or greatly reduce your predatory behaviors. Because a horse is physically and neurochemically incapable of learning if it is afraid incapable the brain the way the horse's brain is neurochemically designed it is incapable of learning or being receptive to learning anytime it is afraid um so that's kind of you know it was it was a twofold thing for me it was realizing that my relationship with my horse was garbage and getting hurt as a result Mm -hmm. um and that being very scary for me because i'm a single parent with two kids yeah exactly and um being hurt wasn't an option and I was, I was very like, even like, even now I struggle with like stuttering in my memory because that brain injury was like the straw that broke the camel's back for my cognitive ability. Um, so that was very scary. And now, you know, I'm, I'm very big on going at the horse's pace. I'm never going to push my horses past um, their limitation on that day because I cannot risk being hurt. Right. You know, somebody said in the comments to me uh, t- two days ago, they said, I don't have time to do all that nonsense to catch my horse. And I said, I don't have time not to. I don't have time to get kicked. I don't have time to get bit. It's, it's all fine and good if you have time to go to the hospital, if you have time to get laid up in a cast. I don't have time for that. I don't even have time to risk it. So if that means spending more time on the ground, making sure that my horse and I are communicating and on the same page, uh, then that's what it means. Because you're always, you know, whether or not you have uh, what you feel is a very bomb-proof horse you've known for 20 years or a colt straight off of the range, um, every single time you interact with that animal, you are accepting the risk that you could be minorly injured or gravely injured. Every time. doesn't matter what kind of horse it is. It can be accidental. 
Roni almost accidentally stepped on my foot two days ago and I was wearing sandals like a jackass. So that's the risk. Right. You know, so it's, it's all about risk mitigation. And I'm very big on that on my page. Risk mitigation all the way around. Um, I think people take that as like an insult to their ego or like they're less brave, less courageous. I'd rather be wise than brave personally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, one thing to be, to be brave and dead because you made the wrong choice, right. you know, and it's funny. And we, I, we before about the whole concept of time and, and everything with training horses and how, you know, I don't think that people understand that when you do these short sessions, like how you do and how I do now of, you know, what the horse is willing to put in, it all adds up to being less time than all of the steps that have got, that people want to do, you know, uh, the other, the other day, you know, chap, chap is not a big fan of getting fly sprayed. And so, and I typically do it when the horses are eating because they're all standing still, they're focused on their food. I go through, I fly spray everybody and we're good to go for the day. And chap was not having it the other day. And it took me a, what, an additional 10 minutes of time to use his feed as a, as his treat, you know, to train him that right. is a good thing. And that when I get fly sprayed, it, it's not going to hurt. I just stand here. I eat mom fly sprays me. And then she walks away and it was 10 additional minutes of time. Right. I would then have to, if I didn't want to put in those 10 minutes of time, you know, I would at, at some point need to go get a halter and a lead rope, go out, hope that he's going to let me catch him, bring him back toward the house so that I could get the fly spray, fly spray him. Right. You know, and then I'd have to do that again the next day, knowing that he's not going to stand there and let me fly spray him. So it's, it, I feel like people don't understand the concept when they say, I don't have time. It's you do have time, but you need to think of the time in shorter increments and realize that that is something that you have available to you. Well, and it's, 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 it's kind of a really layered issue. You know, the saying, I don't have time is um implying that you can't go at the pace of that horse if you don't have time then you don't have time for horses end of story if you don't have time then you don't have time for horses horses are not for you get a car um or get a cat maybe but horses are not for you it's not fair to that animal to put it under such an intense amount of stress because of your perceived limitations on your schedule. Um, you know, I want to touch back on pressure and release for a second because of what you just said. So people think of pressure and release in the wrong way. Essentially, pressure and release is still, it can be positive reinforcement as long as you're not using the ask, tell, demand model um, in the way that <clears throat> pressure and release is target training. Yes. Because you've released pressure the moment you've gotten a desired behavior that is target training. The only difference is now I've added a treat. So now I have ensured you're going to be licking and chewing when you give me that desired behavior. So I'm reinforcing that behavior even more mm -hmm. and you're releasing dopamine in the brain. It's more effective. Um, I don't know if people see it as feminine or soft, or I heard, I've heard, I'm going to spoil my horse. If you're worried about spoiling your horse, um, Again, maybe horses are just not for you then. If you're worried about, if you're worried about making your horse feel good, 
that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then maybe it's just not for you. Who gives a damn? It's a, it's a treat. It doesn't have to be some fancy bag of apple flavored treats from the tax store. It can be bits of hay. It can be hay pellets. It can be their sweet feed that they would normally get in the evening. <laughs> um, I feel like you hit a nerve with it when it comes to, you know, being viewed as feminine because it's not, especially within, you know, you and I are in Arizona and Texas and this, we're in that region of the, of the country where it's very much like the cowboy way of life. And if you're not willing to beat on your horse and look at your horse as a piece of equipment and nothing more, nothing less then you don't belong within this community or that you're, you know, you're a pansy or you're a sissy because of it. So I, that I will definitely have to do a episode strictly on the whole concept of feminism in the, in the equine community and how it's perceived and, you know, how, how it's been twisted into this view of bad horsemanship. Um, that would definitely make an interesting topic that we'll have to cover, but I definitely think you hit a nerve with the whole idea of it being feminine to treat your horse as an individual rather than just a thing. I think it's, I think it's also more modern. You know, I grew up, you know, both of my grandfathers were old school cowboys, old school horsemen. Mm -hmm. None of them, I've never, I never saw either one of them ever hit a horse. I never saw either one of them ever, you know, rough, rough house on a horse uh, or yank on their halter or bump them ever, ever. Um, but again, it comes back to, you know, back then access to medical care was limited and that horse was their way of life. And so they couldn't afford to be put in the hospital. They were very calm. You know, they would always talk to their horse in a real soft, slow tone. They were always very gentle. Um, and that was all the cowboys I saw at the time. This, this modern, uh, culture of beat them until they listen. That's recent. That was not the style of horsemanship or, you know, being a cowboy that I grew up with. And even, um, you know, anybody that follows Rooster Horse on TikTok, you know, he is kind of in that middle generation of horsemen and he doesn't do that either. You know, he, he very adamantly speaks out against it and it, it really irks him. We'll have to have him on the show at some point. Um, because he's very animal. Um, and then, you know, you get that the same amount of people that are go, well, it's just a horse. Oh, right. it's just a horse. Which again, goes back to then don't have horse. I get, <laughs> right. Well, even if, even if it is just a horse, right. Let's, let's say that you come from a different spirituality or culture and you don't feel that these animals have um, any emotional depth or psychological depth whatever what do you stand to lose from treating that animal better what do you stand to lose your dignity a little bit I don't understand that personally because you get a safer animal with a better foundation you know it's it's taken me longer to start Sully and to get Sully on the same page with me because we're just really not connecting um, Sully spent seven years wild and seven years not gelded. Right. Um, and he just, he's just, he's in his mind, he still wants to go home. And you can feel that when you're with him. He wants to go home. How long has he been off? Um, you know, roughly. He's been off the range for about a year and a half. Okay. 
He and Chap, I feel like he and Chap are very similar in that Chap was taken off of his 80 acres um, at four and Chap had his own band and he was not gelded and everything like that. And he's been with me for about a year and a half now. No, actually almost two years. And so I feel like I'm very reluctant to send him off to somebody for these exact reasons that I don't want them to ruin the relationship I have been working on for the past almost two years. And he, he's just the kind of horse where I know if I sent him off to the wrong person, which has already happened once before that it will be a long time before he forgives me for that again. Yeah. Or, I mean, it just damages their trust in people. Right. Um, and, a, and a horse that cannot trust you is a, an accident waiting to happen. That's the bottom line for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I spend so much time working on relationship relationship first. Always. That's my motto relationship first, always. Um, because when the shit hits the fan, something happens, you have a freak accident, dog chases your horse through a fence, whatever. The only thing at the, at the end of the day on that day, in that moment, that is going to save your ass, potentially save you and your horse's life, is your relationship. Not pressure and release, mm-hmm. not treats, not anything else. It's relationship. Um, and I have personally had my ass saved more than a couple of times by that already. So, you know, and it's 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 a measure of accomplishment, right? You know, well, I would have already had him blah, blah, blah. Well, if I, he was my horse, he would have already been under saddle. Okay. And in a year from now, you'd probably get in a big wreck. Yeah. And you'd probably flip over backwards and break your back. Right. So is he gentled yet? No. But when he gets there, he will have a better foundation than a horse who was rushed. Or a horse personally, more importantly, that then was forced. You cannot force relationship and you cannot force trust. Trust and relationship are the two things that keep you from getting kicked, bit, struck. Um, and you just, you can't force a horse to do that. You can't tie his head down. You can't hobble his legs and then ask him to trust you because right. you've just given him every reason not to do that. Um, and, you know, I think, Part of the reason that, you know, a certain group within this community is so adamant against it is because relationship is hard. Trust is hard, particularly when you don't have your own shit together. Right. Um, you know, in, in our culture, we say that horses are medicine um, because a horse is going to force you to confront the, your demons. Every single time you can't you can't walk into the crowd having a bad day. You can't walk into the crowd having an ego or with your chest puffed out expecting to, you know, dominate that animal and force them into a frame or whatever you're doing. Um, <clears throat> you're you're going to get your shit handed to you. So because relationship and trust cannot be forced, I think that that's why these people cast it to the wind. They're like, no, that's for sissies. I don't have time for that. Because they don't want to confront their own personal struggles that are keeping them from getting to that next level of horsemanship. Um, 
And it does. It, it takes it takes checking your ego at the door. It takes um, confronting your, your even your relationship with other people. You know, um, it's a lot of that. And that is hard. So I get it. But that's not an excuse not to do it. Right. Personally. No, I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> so what, what do you think you're most excited for going forward with the podcast? Um, I mean, I think it will just be fun seeing how people, I just like being able to learn from each other. Like I've learned mm-hmm. a lot from you. It's made a big difference in my horsemanship, um, especially because I've Thank had, you. I've had such big gaps in my horsemanship with, uh, yeah monetary stuff when I was younger and then going into the military and moving around. And so it's not until the last couple of years where I've really gotten to chap is, you know, the first horse that I've owned outright and had 24 hour access to. So I feel like I'm behind the curve in like all these different aspects because I've had such a big gap in or such a large hiatus um, in the horse community, but so I've learned a lot from you. I just really enjoy getting to learn other people's perspectives and seeing, you know, what I can take out of them and what I choose to leave behind. Um, but I'm excited to let that I'm excited to let people see the positive side of our community. Cause I feel like right now finding the negative is so easily the negative stuff is so easily, you know, accessible on social media. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, negative I, I, is always more popular because it makes for better TV. Exactly. I, I, I love TikTok in the fact that it is so, um, so fun and the community seems really welcoming at the, at the front, but you know, like what I learned mm-hmm. the very first really negative, um, interaction I had on TikTok within the horse community was when my daughter started doing barrel racing and I was sharing that. And yeah, I was so surprised at the young generation at how they were so quick to tear her down at, at six years old right? to say oh, what a bad rider she was right. other stuff. And it's like, I didn't start riding. See, and that's so d- that says everything about their parents though. And the type of talk they hear from their parents, because my daughters have seen our let's videos mm-hmm. and every time they've gone, she's such a great writer. Oh my gosh. Look how soft her hands are. Oh, that's going to make her happy. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's inspired my kids to want to go out and write a little bit more. So, um, you know, like I said a minute ago, it, the negative stuff makes for better TV. And it's interesting to me, psychologically, the responses I see from people, you know, on first saddling videos. Yes. Very telling what kind of horseman you are when you see first saddling videos. Um, You know, I know a couple of trainers who posted some first saddling videos and they're very explosive. And people in the comments are always like, now ride the buck out or asking how to solve that problem, right? Mm versus like on videos like mine, my first saddle is very boring. Nothing happened. Completely yeah. uneventful. Um, and 
you know, I did, I got a lot of positive feedback from that. I'm not saying that I didn't, I did. But, but I mean, nobody throw that out onto the FYP. If you had a, a, a bucking video tossed out there next, it's always going to get more views. Yeah. yeah exactly. Always. Yeah. And on my video, nobody, nobody asked, not a single person asked what I did to prepare her enough to get her to that point. Nobody asked. Right. I thought that was very interesting because on the other videos, it's, you know, the total, how do you fix that? How do you, well, how do they, blah, 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 blah. But you know, when you show a video where it was nice and boring in the first place. So it's like, why, why aren't you putting as much energy into making sure that doesn't happen in the first place? Right. Right. It's a mind, it's a mindset shift that needs to, to take place. Um, and I would say that's, I cool. think for me, one of, that's what I'm excited to see do us do with this podcast is like, you know, we've said it's, it's hard to be humble and it's hard to put the ego aside. So if we can be that example for people, especially being two veterans <laughs> that are willing to yeah. aside, I, th- I think that can, I, it will be interesting to see what kind of impact it has on the community for, for people to say that, see that it's okay to change your idea to go from being a Clinton Anderson trainer to being somebody doing treat training and positive reinforcement. Right. Um, something you mentioned a minute ago was like feeling that you're behind in your journey. And I want to touch on that because I've, I've gotten that message from a lot of people. Um, there is no correct or standard way in which to measure our journey in life. There isn't. There's no um, standard unit of measurement for our path. Everybody has the path at their own rate, in their own time, and in their own way. Um, So it's really important, especially within this community, you know, horses are too dangerous and too expensive to also add insult to injury and compare yourself to other people. Right. That's crazy to me. Um, So don't do that. (laughs) But I think that um, kind of what I'm most excited for is, you know, and I think one of the reasons I've able to be humble is because I'm so self-critical. Nobody is ever going to criticize me more than I already have. Right. I promise. Um, you know, I leave the corrals every day beating myself up. That's, that's why my horsemanship is where it is because I hardly ever walk away from a session going, Oh, that, that rocked. I'm always critiquing myself. My timing was bad. My execution was poor. I should have changed my energy. I was too stiff. I was too harsh. I should have done this differently. So nobody's ever going to criticize me more than I already have. And that keeps me, you know, very humble. I'm not saying be like me, probably don't find a happy medium. Um, But I really have found it very fulfilling. um, And it really fills me with a sense of purpose and and a a great deal of like love and pride for this community. When I see people who have told me, you know, that I have helped their horsemanship, that I've helped their relationship with their animal, um, because that's exactly what I wanted to do. That's exactly what I wanted to do. So I, it just tells me that I'm on the right path. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. Um, I'm also I'm also excited for having guests. I yeah. am. I'm excited to to talk to other people, um, get other perspectives, especially from people that that I you know greatly respect. Um, and I lately, if I'm being totally transparent, I have tossed around the idea of inviting people on the show who um, maybe we don't agree with to see how those conversations go. And I just don't know. We'll have to think, we'll, we'll have to tread lightly. Yeah. Maybe experiment. Yeah, I just don't know. Um, maybe like, 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 because I think it's, 
far of a difference, but enough for it to be like very civil. You know what I mean? Cause I definitely, I feel you No, I, I, and I think, I think it's definitely you. I definitely don't want to have the, like the, the podcast where it, everything's hunky dory all the time. And, you know, you will, will, I mean, we're obviously going to talk right. about our, our great talk about, but I definitely think it makes for a better experience for everyone listening and for ourselves, if we can have people on that are willing to share a different perspective and see both sides of the coin. And yeah, we'll have to play around with that idea. <laughs> right. Well, and my point is, my point is we can't, like, I can't come from a place of humility and um, open-mindedness if I'm not willing to converse with those whom I disagree with. Um, and I think it's also a, a good opportunity, a good civil neutral opportunity to maybe share that information on neutral ground and maybe change some opinions. You know, right. we don't have to agree. We don't. But if I can, if I can spread that data, you know, the hard science of it mm-hmm. um, onto someone and, you know, just plant that seed to grow down the road and maybe they change some of the way they do things for the better. I think that would be worth it. I just can't, I just can't promise I'll be civil. That's my only problem. I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm spicy. I just, uh, I, I try to be professional, but I've probably said the F word more than once on this podcast already. Uh, well, like I'm it, not bleeping a damn thing either. So we're not, we're not going to be the, uh, a censored podcast. Cause I don't think that um, is true, true to our characters at all. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to invite people on. Um, I know there's, there's some, there's, there's conversations that need to be had. Um, because some people, some people just have too large of an influence to be acting the way they do. Um, and I think it's, and, and I think it's very telling. Like, if you're not willing to even have the conversation, then that says everything. Right. That says everything. You just want to do things your way, and you don't. You don't care. Um, what What subject do you think you're like most chomping at the bit to talk about? Pun intended. Um, I definitely want to cover the parenting. Is a big one for me. Um, just because of my experience mm-hmm, with my daughter and all of that stuff. <clears throat> and actually, I really want to talk about uh, the LGBTQ community within the equestrian community because, um, you know, as a photographer, we do, you know, yeah. month. and as a photographer, one thing that's really bugged me this last year was I have done sessions with um, LGBTQ. LGBTQ, uh, couples. Um, I've had, uh, my farrier and her wife, I've done pictures for them when I was in Ohio. I just did a couple, um, with one of them is a trans man. And, um, and so like, it's when I, I put my money where my mouth is, you know, I've gone out. Yeah. I've made myself, made it known and I've used my platform on TikTok to raise their voices. And I've made it known that my business is open to them and I am not somebody who's going to judge their, their lifestyle. And I see a lot of people within my industry as an equine photographer that say the same thing, but when pride comes along, it's pictures of horses with rainbows and like 
black backgrounds with, you know, glitter and rainbow colors and stuff like that. And I'm right. Like, it's never the actual queer people. Yeah. I'm like, where are the people? That's great that right. you have a horse painted with rainbow paint, but where are the people? So right. the rep- it's representation. Exactly. Representation. And it's, and, and, you yeah. know, and I, when I've posted their, their photos from these particular shoots, I never get the interaction on their sessions that I do on all the other ones that I do. It's right. Um, a big gap and it's very obvious. And that's the thing is like when at at face value, you wouldn't think that the equestrian community is like that, but it it, do. Oh, I would. Oh, I would. Really? I, I, I personally didn't. Oh yeah, I would. I, as a, I didn't have that perspective, right? Just, just face value. When I came back into the community, I didn't get that vibe. But when I started doing, when I did my farrier and her wife, and I posted their pictures for the first time and put on there that they were a lesbian couple, I saw the marked difference and it was glaringly obvious. And I was like, oh, things are not as, as inclusive as. Yeah. Would be. And so that's a twofold issue, right? It's, it's the algorithm. Yeah. Right? You're fighting the algorithm there because it, it disproportionately um, hurts people in this community and also the community. Yes. So um, as a queer, two-spirited, indigenous woman, um, I can tell you, first of all, in this gray area, I think for I have kids and I don't look like your traditional quote, Hollywood Indian quote. Mm -hmm. Um, So people are very quick to let their guard down around me and say really bigoted shit. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. And then I'm like, hey, that's me. That's me you're talking about. What about you? What are you really excited about covering? So um, uh I think I think most of the topics that I'm most excited about are either training related or husbandry related because I think that's what the community needs the most I think representation is great I think um you know yeah I I really want to cover that as well you know but I if I have to see one more goddamn person defending the tom thumb bit I'm gonna vomit in my mouth um if I have to see one more person thinking or defending feeding twice a day and that that's adequate care I'm going to punch somebody. I mean, it's just like here it's the, it's, it's hard scientific evidence. Like if you're going to feed twice a day, put it in a fucking hay net. Christ's sake. It's not that hard. I think this um, is our podcast in that you come from a very hard science background and provide a lot of that um, mm-hmm. information, which I think is great. I went to school for science, but I suck at science <laughs> and I feel like mine, especially since I do so much interaction with photography, my perspective is more human interaction and everything. So I think it's great that we balance each other out like that. Right. Yeah. Um, I think where we balance each other out is it's just like you said. So you end up getting more of the social community related issues um, because I'm admittedly a hermit. I... I don't, you know, the internet is the most I interact with people and it's just becoming worse with age, Maureen. I like, you know, my neighbors went on vacation like I got two and a half months ago or something and they haven't been back. And now every day when I come home, 
from like running errands or something whenever I leave, I think to myself, God, I hope they're not there. <laughs> and I'm like, Alex, that's fucked up. They live there. Like they're going to come back at some point. I've just gotten so used to them not being here. Like, I don't want to just know. <laughs> you're not going to see me you know at soccer games I don't socialize um I haven't decided whether or not that's something I want to work on in my personal life or if I'm just if you're whatever that ship has sailed man <laughs> yeah I just I'll go to jail real quick you know I'll throw hands and I just I know that about myself so um but I do I do bring to the table you know the yeah um, and you know, you bet your money, you can bet your bottom dollar, your last page that before I have to the table talking about an issue, I have a current day on. So before somebody wants to argue with me about biomechanics, physiology, neurochemistry, I promise you're not right. You're not on the weak side of the argument. You can have your opinions. But I've definitely done research. Um, I refuse to look stupid in that arena. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's for me, it's just a combination of. Um, nope. There we go. I wonder if it saved that. Um, it says I'm still recording. It says so. Oh, that's strange. Um, whatever technical difficulties, I guess. At any rate, uh, so what we see in research isn't always um, real life compatible. I say, you know, like, but a lot of stuff is. You know, it's it's like the. So I'll go back to the hay thing. Um, People are like, well, I'm not home all day or I can't afford to keep my horse on pasture or I don't have a pasture. Okay, well then get a slow feeder hay net. Mm -hmm. I actually feed less hay now that all of my horses are on hay net. Oh, I believe it. Um, and I have less uh, behavioral issues. Um, I have happier horses and they look better. Their body condition is better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and, it, that's, it's a, it's a data versus compatibility thing. And there's some things that, you know, would it be better for my horses to be turned out 24 seven? Yes, it would. But that's kind of where the compatibility thing comes in. You know, data shows horses are better when they are always turned out. Yes. That's not always compatible with life. So I get that, but that doesn't negate the fact that your horse does require turnout at least regularly. You don't get to say no, well, or I don't have the property for that. Well, then you don't have the property for horses. Right. Well, I definitely think- um, Well, I think that- Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, are, there, are there any topics you uh, absolutely don't wanna cover? Um. Honestly, no, I don't think so. Not that I can think of. No, there's nothing you wouldn't be like, no, nah, Alex, I don't want to talk about that. I can't think of anything that I would say no to. 
I can't think of anything I would say no to. I can think of things that will get me stirred up. Oh. But I'm easily stirred up. We all know that. <laughs> Alex starts um, at stirred up, and then we just go further from there. <laughs> yeah, then the fucking episode's two hours long, and it's just me yelling the whole time. Um, I can say that there's there's some people I just want to talk to. Just, uh, I just wouldn't. I just, I just don't, you know, like, um, if, if Clinton Anderson was like, hey, I'd be willing to be on the podcast, I'd be like, you'll be talking to yourself because I will not be there. No, I, I, the, the, the very, I mean, I did not interact with him personally, like straight to him, but just everything that I've heard about him, I'm not interested in that, no. Yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some trainers on social media that, um, I toggle back and forth on it. Yeah. Um, but I just know based on your demeanor and the way you carry yourself online, it won't be a productive conversation and I'll just end up calling you a bigot and hanging up. Yeah. So, um, you won't even bother with that. It's, it's something we'll have to navigate. Something we'll have to navigate when we get there. I bring it up yeah. because I'm sure our listeners, are gonna our viewers people. are going to make requests yeah yeah i see that happening i see it happening they're gonna ask um, questions no you- i just like to be fully i'm sure the majority of our people are going to come from tiktok yeah they're going to say hey did you see this video and yeah so Well, I get that in my DMs already. I get constantly, my DMs are just constantly, constantly full of people sending me videos. Uh, hey, have you seen this? Hey, have you seen this? Hey, have you seen this? And I'm like, oh man, it's exhausting. <laughs> um, which is why another reason, you know, I wanted to do this podcast is because I want to highlight more of the positive mm-hmm. uh, to help balance out a lot of the negative that I see on my For You page. Um. Well, speaking, well, I think of, that was a good intro. Yeah, speaking of, go ahead. I was gonna say, speaking of, if, if anybody who is listening wants to um, suggest a topic or anything like that, uh, we've got a Facebook set up, the High Horse Podcast that you can find us on. Um, we're gonna work on putting together some other social media, maybe a TikTok, probably an Instagram. Yeah, with like little clips. Yeah, but for now, just find us on Facebook, and and we'll kind of grow from there. So. Yeah, and, and like Maureen said, if there's anything anybody specifically wants to hear us talk about, um, you know, leave a comment or or what have you, interact with these posts, um, and we'll put it on the schedule at some point. Awesome. Well, thank you. All right. Well, to the highest, or the, sorry, the highest horse. See? I see? <laughs> <laughs> the high horse podcast will eventually uh remember what the name of the podcast is and say it correctly um <laughs> at some point and uh and yeah we're looking forward to doing this for everybody yeah we'll see you guys next time